Well, you're waking up faster. Uh, this is ridiculous. The droids aren't half as good as Rex's men. That's the point. Look, I know this is tough, but I want it to be difficult. This is about life and death. And as your master, I'm responsible for you. The best way I can protect you is to teach you how to protect yourself. And if you can hold off Rex and the boys, you'll be ready for anything on the battlefield. Well, yeah, anything with a blaster, at least. You ready? All right, boys, let's go again. Welcome, everyone, from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 491, Tales of the Jedi, Ahsoka. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Captain Rex to my Bail Organa, we've got Carl LeClaire. <laughs> oh, it's good to be back, Mr. Organa. <laughs> <laughs> That's Senator to you. <laughs> Sorry about that, Mr. Organa. Oh, my gosh. I don't know why Rex all of a sudden became a Southern person, but I clearly can't do accents. <laughs> <laughs> That's one I don't want to try. Like the, the, the clone is not one I'm confident in. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, we're Captain not. Rex, the, D. Bradley Baker's job is safe from me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I absolutely loved our conversation last week, Jason, about Dooku's episodes in Tales of the Jedi. And I'm I'm really excited to look at the Ahsoka episodes. They they were really good as well. I still have to say I have a strong preference for the Dooku episodes. I thought those were um, just a lot more exciting, a lot more powerful. And, and that, I think that's mainly because the Ahsoka episodes are more like vignettes of about her character. They're not really about plot. They're not really about her story because we've had her story in its entirety. Um, I mean, granted it's going to be expanded upon now post return of the Jedi in the Ahsoka live action series. Um, right. But to, to dwell on her in the era of the clone wars, we've seen the entirety of that. So I think these are nice little homages about her character. They, they speak to parts of her journey, but they aren't um, as plot driven as the Dooku episodes. And, uh, uh, as a result, I just prefer the Dooku episodes. It's not a it's not a slam on these. I really like these two, and I'm looking forward to diving into the to the the details of them. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm still just floored by how good the Dooku ones were. They are incredibly good. Uh, I'm you know everyone who listens to this podcast for any length of time knows Dooku is one of my favorite characters uh, in Star Wars. So. Uh, Obviously, I gravitate towards those, but when I sat down to rewatch the Ahsoka episodes for today's episode, um, I was surprised at how, you know, how good they were. I, I was so enraptured and looking forward and invested with the Dooku ones. 
um, that those kind of took all of my attention in my first general watch through. Uh, and then when I came back to focus in on the Ahsoka ones, I was like, these are actually really good. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they're, they're very, very well done. Um, they're beautiful episodes mm-hmm. just visually. Um, so I, I'm very excited to, to look at these and talk about these uh, today. So, yeah, likewise. Um, and uh, well, let, let's just get right into them then. Uh, so this first episode of, which is of course the first episode in the, uh, in the Tales episode, of the Jedi. yeah, in the Tales of the Jedi uh, run anyway, is uh, this episode Life and Death, and you know, I mean, even in the trailer, they made it clear we were going to get the story about a, a young Ahsoka and, um, you know, in her infancy. Now I assumed wrongly, <laughs> um, to quote Mister Snoke, um, <laughs> that. Uh, that we would see her brought to the temple. We would see her, you know, Plo Koon go there and, and bring her to the temple. And that's not what the story was at all. They uh, and, no. and I give them props to that. They they chose to do stuff different. Um, it wasn't what I was expecting, which Star Wars is all about subversion of expectations, I feel like, anymore. <laughs> which is a double-edged sword. I think it can be really great and also maddeningly frustrating at times. Um, (laughs) But uh, they, they chose to tell this kind of infancy narrative uh, for Ahsoka. Yeah. Being that it's more about, it's more about finding out that she's force sensitive and that she could, that she is force sensitive enough to be a Jedi than it is about her becoming a Jedi. Yes. So that's a, that's a really good distinction, Jason. Um, yeah. I mean, being that Ahsoka is Dave Filoni's baby, you know, I mean, he, he loves this character. He created this character alongside George, um, really loves putting her into everything, which to be fair, a lot of fans are getting a little, a little annoyed with myself included. (laughs) I don't think we need Ahsoka every single incarnation of star Wars, uh, Dave Filoni pulling the reins a bit, bro. Um, that said, this is this is really like an infancy narrative to your point, Jason, that just is really highlighting the specialness of this character. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it just it makes me literally think of the infancy narratives in in the Gospels. There's two infancy narratives in the, the Gospel of Matthew and Luke, and both of them, while they don't necessarily agree with each other, are ultimately about highlighting the specialness of this baby named Jesus, right? They, they highlight the fact that Jesus comes into the world through a virgin and that all of that is there ultimately just to point out, Hey, look, this kid is special. There's something special about him. And that's what the, this first episode of the Ahsoka stories felt like. It's, it's kind of this mythical story that highlights the specialness of this infant. Um, and, and, the, and, you know, obviously jumping to the end of the episode and we'll, we'll, dig into some of the weeds here in a minute, but right with, uh, Gontica, the, the kind of village elder, the village chieftain, if you will, she, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, the last line is a, a, a Jedi. Ahsoka is Jedi, right? It's this, there's something very sacred in this episode about, um, about Ahsoka. And I, and I think that as the, as a general th- thematic element of this episode is my favorite part of the episode is that it just it's it's just imbued with this spirituality that this is a very yeah. spiritual culture that the people of Torguda um you know really have a reverence for life and the sacredness of life and 
and really seem to have some sort of reverence for the Jedi. Um, and when it's, you know, revealed that Ahsoka is special, that the force is in her, uh, there's this real specialness to who she is. Yeah. And to just kind of drive that home even further um, on the soundtrack for, for this episode, the, the music, the track that plays uh, for when her mother takes Ahsoka on, on the hunt, um, that track is called Sanctity of Life. Mm. So, and the, this village in particular is very much, uh, you know, reverences life and they only take, you know, like the, the hunt is, is a necessity of life at this point and they... They thank it's it's very Native American and other you know uh, Native kinds of cultures uh, where they, they they thank the their their hunt mm-hmm. for for the meat and the other supplies that it's it will provide for them. Um, so it, it was it was really kind of cool to see that to see her brought up in a, a place that's already so saturated in sort of the mystical and the sacred. Um, because you know, they they go out there. It's a tradition to take the youngling out on a hunt on their first hunt at this stage, um, as we kind of get from the conversation between her parents uh, to honor the ancestors um, and that sort of thing. And, and obviously, like I said, the, the sanctity of life is very important to them, and they they have this their rituals and the things they say and the motions they do uh, when when they take the the life of the, the Kaibuck um, in the hunt there. And to have her sort of brought up in this, this very sacred spiritual kind of environment really flows well into, you know, who she will then become. It, it, it definitely gives her a grounding, whether or not she's able to really comprehend that later on in life. It gives her a, a grounding and a foundation for who she'll become even after she's a Jedi. Mm-hmm. Even after she leaves the Order. So, um, yeah, I really appreciated that that aspect of this episode. The way that the whole village society is kind of constructed. Uh, and, and the things that they reverence. Um, yeah. Was, was a really, really fascinating and, and amazing aspect of this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, when they're when they're off on the hunt too, um, I mean, I, I I love any sort of spiritual wisdom leader in Star Wars, right? Whether that's Yoda to to um, Logre to Quill, and now to yeah. Gontica, you know, um, there's oh, that she's great. She is great, and there's that moment when they're off on the hunt, and she grabs this amulet she wears around her neck and and kind of starts to rub it. Um, and offers up what's again, we, it's not translated, which I actually kind of like. Um, but to me, it's like, she's offering up some sort of prayer or mantra. And mm-hmm. as she rubs it, it, what it made me think of was, uh, Jin with the Kyber crystal that her mom gives to her, right. When they're, yeah. when they're go, heading to Scarif and she's rubbing that Kyber crystal for good luck, you know, and yeah. kind of offering this, this moment of, of prayer for help, if you will. Um, and, and Gonzo yeah. is doing the same thing when, uh, when they're off on the hunt and 
Yeah, I, I just I really I really like that a lot. And <laughs> there's that really adorable moment when um, Nocti, that's or, or Pavti, that's the name of the mother, right? Yes. Um, and she's taking her into the forest and she kind of hits that that flower pod that explodes out into yeah. all these little blooms that give forth. And it, the, the the sense of wonder that comes over baby Ahsoka, it's, yes. it's similar to Omega seeing dirt for the first time. <laughs> you know? Right. Right. Uh, just, <laughs> just this sense of, or, or Ray, you know, I never believed there was this much green in the whole galaxy. Um, yeah. you know, there's that sense of wonder to it. And, and I think that's really, uh, that's really beautiful. Um, I also think it's worth noting that the, many of the sounds like the baby cooing sounds that they give to baby Ahsoka are the exact same sounds as they use for Grogu. Um, there are a few sounds that baby Ahsoka makes that are exactly the same types of sounds as Grogu. Now, I don't know if that's meant with a particular intentionality or, they just were kind of lazy with using baby sounds. Um, I'd like to think it's the former. Um, and because Grogu is now part of the Star Wars lexicon and Grogu represents this sense of innocence and wonder and 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 care. And I feel like that's what we're kind of getting from baby Ahsoka is, is uh, she's this force of innocence that um, – just really respects life. And, and when the, the saber tooth, which by the way, I, I Googled if it was this particular alien name, it's not, it's just called a saber tooth. <laughs> when yeah, it takes it's like her, a saber tooth tiger. Essentially. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, when it takes her off into the forest and Ahsoka just reaches out and touches it. And in that moment, there's just this instant connection. Uh, you know, Ahsoka's ability to just, just bond with life. Um, what I think like as the as the saber tooth then brings her back into the village, um, it just has me thinking that this is kind of a, a precursor to Ahsoka's whole story that no matter the dire circumstances she finds herself in, she somehow finds the way to overcome it, to to yeah. to to take the chaos around her and kind of get on top of it and just ride it into a new future. <laughs> Um, yeah. I, 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 so I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great way to, to view that she, it, it sets in motion her ability to overcome, uh, impossible odds <laughs> and, and still manage to, to come out pretty well intact. Um, yeah, that that whole scene with the the saber tooth in its den and it's you know salivating and growling and coming for her and then she just reaches up and touches its nose and they they lock eyes and it it seems to be fighting her initially uh, but she keeps just you know reaching out creating that bond um, is is a really really fascinating little scene. Um, uh, and it's beautifully shot. It's gorgeous. So mm. everything in this episode is absolutely stunning visually. Um, I will say I appreciated the the fight um, of Pavti to try and protect Ahsoka from yeah. the saber tooth. Uh, you know, don't get between a mama and her baby. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but uh, yeah, it was it was a a really really cool premise to to sort of show ahsoka's ability you know it, it's not you know 
having the villagers find out that she's force sensitive enough to be a Jedi, it's not like she's playing with with toys and they start floating around or, or you know, she she says you know, she she tricks uh one of the other, you know, village kids into doing something for her by, you know, just saying hey, do this for me or something like that. She, she's not doing any sort of mind tricks. She's not doing any sort of force pull. She she makes this bond, this connection with the the saber tooth and it, it brings her back. It returns her to the village safe and sound um, in, a, in a begrudging <laughs> uh, respect and acceptance. So uh, I think by the end, by the time it returns her, it's, it's you know, it's no longer trying to fight her and it's no longer begrudging, you know, her, her request. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and this is obviously the top predator mm-hmm. of this planet. Like mm-hmm. this is, this is the top predator. This is even the villagers, even the, the Tugruda are, are careful around this kind of creature. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a couple like quick things I want to just highlight now that I've like I glanced back over my notes that I just want to make sure I mention in the episode. And this is all the way back towards the start of it. When uh Pavti is leaving with Ahsoka to go on the hunt, um her her husband Nakiel, you know, is kind of like what are you doing here? Why are you doing this? This isn't very safe. And yeah. he kind of criticizes uh Pavti by saying, you know, this is this is the old ways. And Pop D counters with, yeah, and they deserve to be honored. Um, and I think that's just, I, I'm, I'm highlighting that because Ahsoka, in an interesting way, will become a new era of Jedi. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she honors the old way by becoming a Jedi in the way that we assume. And, and again, like I, like I said at the, at the start here, I thought that this would be the episode where we see Plo Koon show up and take her to the temple um, and what that might look like. But, but we already know that that happens. We don't, we don't need to see it to know that it happens. Um, So this is establishing a different story. And I think we know that she's brought into the old way, but she herself will become a new way of being a Jedi. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. that's interesting that she is, uh, she's both of her parents' children. Um, and yeah, and when she's taken off into the forest by the saber tooth and, and Pavti is kind of left in this moment of grief, like, oh my gosh, my child was just taken away. I just found that really poignant about, man, what is it going to be like when Plo Koon shows up to take her away? You know, um, what yeah. is wh- the, there's right because the episode ends ultimately with um uh Guntika like indicating yep she's Jedi which would probably imply like this village understands what that might mean and un- they probably yeah. understand that that means she is going to be taken away so it just it has me thinking of you know Pavti in that moment when the saber tooth runs off with Ahsoka and you really can feel like the way the music plays, the way, the way that they animate her face. I mean, you can just see the pain and the sadness that, that hits her as her child is taken off. Oh, like what's that gotta be like? And that's why part of me does wish we got to see it. Like, what is that like? How do you, how do you ascend to the, to, to giving up this child you clearly love so dearly? Um, and, and it's a, 
it's yeah. a reference and a respect mm. to you know the old ways or or the these other ways you mm. know it it's gonna my guess is it's you know obviously having your child ripped away from you by a predator is terrifying and scary it's it's you know there's only bad things that you can imagine will happen there yeah um having your child taken uh you know the the implication that we're left with at the end of the episode is that the village probably gantica will reach out to the jedi and let them know hey we have someone for you you know, the the implication is is that the, the village, the Gantica, or the family will reach out and say, hey, come take a look. Make sure that she's what you're looking for, that kind of thing. And that will bring Plo Koon out. Um, my guess is it'll still be tough, obviously, for the parents. They, it, it's never an easy thing, but I think they'll both be um, open, more open to that. Uh, especially because they, it's a an honorable path. Yeah, uh, a path of respect, of reverence, and that sort of thing, and this kind of culture um, would view it as an honor, even if it hurts. You know, it would—it's going to be like Shmi saying goodbye to Anakin. Yeah. So that's a—that's uh, actually a really good. Uh, it, it's there's a big difference, obviously, between Shmi and, and Pavati saying goodbye. Shmi is saying goodbye to a child who was enslaved. Um, right. So there's a, a much clearer recognition that this life will, be, will ideally be much better for her child. Right. Um, there, there's something about the early shots from this episode that just, you know, that, that Targuda village just seems so peaceful and, and homey and welcome and, and like a great place to raise a child, a great place to grow up and find your life. So uh, I, I'm, I'm only mentioning that to say that you're wrong because I think the spirit right. of what you're saying I 100% agree with. But the, the details are importantly differently. Um, yeah. And right, like Ahsoka staying there doesn't mean that her life will be worse. But again, like I, I really hear what it, you're saying it, that it's, it's, it's not that it'll be worse or better, but it's just – there's there's this higher calling to Ahsoka that obviously Profti is going to ascend to. Correct. Yeah. The, the, there, she's not going to become, you know, the, the potential for her to become important in the galaxy uh, is significantly less if she stays home. Yeah. And and so the idea of her becoming important to to the broader galaxy is is also something to for them to consider, keep in mind. And I, I do love, just to go back to something you said earlier, I do love the fact that you said that she really is a great combination of both of her parents, you know, uh, not only in the, the philosophical way, but even just the way that they, the design that they made for both of her parents. The, you know, the, the skin coloration is much more her mother, but the facial patterns are much more her father, you know. Yeah. Uh, so... Oh, I, I do love the fact that she's such a, a beautiful blend of both of her parents. And, you know, obviously that that tracks as, you know, just children in general, but the way that they took the time and detail in making these these character models to uh to show that was uh was great because they're only in this one episode, you know. <laughs> uh, a lot of the other character models for like the villagers are reused Clone Wars models. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah. To, yeah. Which is 
is totally fine, but you know, it's, it's great that they took the time to, uh, to make these specific models for Ahsoka's parents so that we see the, the resemblance. We see where she came from. Yeah. And that's really the story of this episode is this is where she came from. That's a yeah, um, great point. Absolutely. Um, and, and by the way, um, Gantica better be very careful with those Tuka dogs that she's got because they're going to be real roly poly and fat if she keeps feeding them that much. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love that those little dogs, their faces have a little bit of an Ewok resemblance. Um, yeah, and, and panda. It's like a combination yeah. between an Ewok, a panda, and a Tuka. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, no, I loved it. Um, awesome. Well, uh, should we should we look at the next episode from Ahsoka's arc? I think we should. All right. Well, her next episode titled Practice Makes Perfect, which is the perfect title for it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, you know, just in general, I would say this episode uh, kind of just uh, looping back to the way you kind of introduced the last episode, Jason, right? Kind of the general theme is all about pointing out that the force is with Ahsoka, right? That there's, there's something special about this infant. Um, And clearly the episode practice makes perfect is ultimately about Anakin taught uh, Ahsoka how to survive. Uh, And that's what this whole episode is about is no wonder she's still around. How did she survive order 66? How did she survive the dark times? Anakin taught her. Um, And let me be clear here. Like I'm not trying to say that there's no agency in Ahsoka. Of course, Ahsoka, took those lessons and continued to grow and learn from them. Uh, but I think that it, there is a specialness to this episode at its heart is about a lesson Anakin is trying to teach Ahsoka. And I think partly that that lesson he's trying to teach her about, you know, how to protect yourself because I won't always be there. Um, I think that this is also it does highlight a bit of a truth about Anakin's character, which we've always known, and that's Anakin's terror of losing the people he loves right so there i i don't mean this in a negative way but there is a little bit of a selfish motive to anakin here right like um Mm -hmm. this isn't just about a selflessness towards ahsoka there is a bit of a selfishness because anakin doesn't want to even think about the possibility of losing someone he cares about um and again i'm not sure that doesn't take anything away from anakin that doesn't take away the fact that he he cares about ahsoka deeply Um, no and and it it is, you know, a little selfish on Anakin's part, but it's also a true lesson, especially as she is a war Padawan. You know, it, it, this is a, a time of war and there are going to be times where e- either by mission or just some of the, the complications that happen while they're out, they're going to be separated. And he's not going to be there every time to bail her out. Uh, so, you know, why? While yes, it is, it does have a selfish element. It's also a very real truth uh, for for this, you know, difficult, complicated time that she's growing up as a Padawan. So it, it's it's a dangerous galaxy for the Jedi right now, <laughs> especially yeah. for the young and unprepared. Yeah. So yeah, that's a great point. Um. It's we get to see some cool uh, uh, character cameos in this. Uh, the fact that yeah. in her opening training, we see Caleb Doom sitting there with, um, oh my gosh, why am De- I blank? Depa Bilaba. Thank you, Depa Bilaba. 
And he jumps up with excitement when she takes out all three droids, right? Like he's he's so excited, like he's so impressed. Oh um, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh man, <laughs> uh, you can almost you can practically hear him like turning to Depa and say, "Can you teach me to do that?" Yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. She she's impressive to him. He he wants to be like Ahsoka, um, which makes it all the more interesting and fun when uh, they run into each other. Uh, years later in Rebels. Absolutely. So. Yeah, 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 for <laughs> sure. Um, and, uh, you know, Anakin's, well, also worth noting, mullet Obi-Wan. Um, so this yes. is not long after uh, Attack of the Clones. Now, that said, Jason, is, so I have not watched the Clone Wars movie in a long time. It's it's one of the few Star Wars things I don't particularly enjoy. Um, it's fine, but uh, it's not one of my favorites. Um, and obviously in that movie is where Ahsoka sh- shows up the first time and is assigned mm-hmm. Anakin as his Padawan. So do you think that this episode implies that this is after the events of the Clone Wars movie? Yes. Um, I think they just made a new design for, for Obi-Wan. I, they, this is, they had the time to make designs that sort of bridge uh, Attack of the Clones with the Clone Wars because both Anakin and Obi Wan had quite different looks from uh, Attack of the Clones when the Clone Wars shows started. So I think mm. because the first um, design that we get of of Anakin even is a little bit different. His hair is a lot shorter still than the normal uh, character model that we have from the early the early seasons of the clone wars so uh it's i think it's just uh them taking advantage of the fact that they can make these character models um and and they do that so it the the content of the episode implies it's after the clone wars movie um even if the character models don't quite match up with what we had they're they're making models that can last, you know, a couple of seasons at that time, uh, back when they were still like pinching pennies on how many <laughs> on, on all their uh, assets. <laughs> so um, at this point, they, they had the ability to do that. So they did, I, I think, is what happened. So that makes sense. It also yeah. makes me think that there's a possibility we'll get more stuff that they'll use these models for in the future. Mm. Um, since they're brand new, <laughs> yeah, I I'd love to see more mulleted Obi Wan. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but I like that after this initial test, you know, Ahsoka is kind of proud of herself. You know, she kind of kicked its butt, and uh-huh. Anakin has a very Han Solo attitude. Remote, you know, good against remotes is one thing. Good against the living, that's something else. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. He he just He's doesn't. Like, yeah. It doesn't yeah, trust this test. Like the, all the all the Jedi are doing this training, and he's like, "Yeah," and it's emulating droids. But I want you to be able to handle things that aren't droids. I want you to be able to handle the unexpected. Yep. And so we, he basically gets a squad of troops led by Captain Rex, and they all get in a circle around Ahsoka, and they just go to town. With the sun blasts, um, and she goes down. 
and then they do it again. Yeah, a lot of times. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I th- something that really struck me, though, is when we get um, the the kind of uh, setup shot, though, of her flying on the Republic cruiser to that training facility. I'm mm-hmm. almost positive that's the same, like, uh, clone base, clone barracks as where she's being held when she's arrested. Um, I, I, I've got the episode up while we're talking. Let me go back and, and check <laughs> that out for you. Yeah, I'm almost 100% certain, though, that in because there's a lot of mirrors between her departing from the Order and this episode. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that this is one of those those rhyming schemes, if you will, is that this is the same facility from which she'll eventually escape. And she's also deflecting sten- stun bolts as she does the entire the entire time she is escaping from the clone troopers. Right. Um, right. So I just thought that was really neat that she's learning how to protect herself from clones specifically, which will come in, you know, come in handy in about a year's time. Um, a year. I, I think you're right. It's either that kind of place or it's where they like take the Zillow beast. You know, it's Mm. one of those two. So, but I think you're right. It, it might be the same facility. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's um, a, there's a lot of uniformity between like the clones and the the empire, right? So they they might just look right. the same, but all, at the same time, regardless of whether it's the exact same or not, I think that developing shot is there to it, kind of make you think, like, oh, how interesting that this will be also the same place she escapes from. I I agree, and it would it would make sense that it's the same place or the same kind of place. That, that that happens, it would absolutely make sense because the the parallels are very clear. So much so that we we obviously get to the point where we skip forward in time um, during this training montage. And I will say, uh, the once the training Anakin's training starts, it's a very intense episode. Like mm-hmm. the. This this episode gets really intense, and it doesn't really let up until the end. Uh, I, I remember watching it last night and going, and actually saying out loud to myself, "Well, going, wow, that was intense." So, <laughs> and it's good, and it's in a good way. So, um, but yeah, we skip forward in time. We see her kind of in the middle of the Clone Wars, uh, training in the hangar. Of of their real Jedi quick, cruiser. Before Sorry, we, what? Before we go to that, there's there's some stuff that's really big. <laughs> before we get to her, oh right, yeah, uh, fast forwarding. Um, <laughs> I will say I chuckled really hard when after the first time she gets done, and you know she's she's like, "How long was I out? Oh, only a little over an hour. An hour?" And then yeah. Rex says, "Yeah, Jesse got you pretty good there, sir." Sorry, Commander. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> you just hear him off in the distance. I just started laughing so hard at yeah. that moment. Oh, that really killed me. Sorry, Commander. Um, Sorry, Commander. Yeah, it's so like, good. Oops. Um, um, but after right, like after all these bouts of her going down, going down, going down, and you know, and this is the the clip you know we played at the start of the episode, but. Anakin like coming to her and she's like, oh, she's so frustrated and mad and like this is ridiculous. And right again, also worth noting how comfortable Anakin is crossing boundaries, right? Like this is not okay. 
Um, and probably why he's doing this off the temple grounds, um, out of mm-hmm. sight of anything but clone troopers who are also subservient to him, so therefore will not report this. Um, right there, it does highlight again the the the, the lack of boundaries for Anakin. Um, but at the same time, right, like like we were kind of saying, it, it's also infused with the fact that he wants to keep her safe, and he to him this yeah. is the best way to do that. But when Ahsoka comes to that kind of final time, the music that is being played when Anakin kind of extends her lightsaber, offers it back, explains why he's doing this. It's the same music that plays when she leaves the Order in mm. that final episode of hers in season five of Clone Wars. Um, it's the same piece of music. And it's, a again, very similar similar shots, whereas opposed to handing her the braid, he's handing her the lightsaber this time. Um, and she accepts it here. She, cause she's at a different place. Like she, she wants to be a Jedi and she understands that she's going to be able to become a great Jedi by training with Anakin. Um, she really has, she truly trusts Anakin. Um, and I think the mirror here between this moment and her decision to leave the order is she does believe that Anakin had her back, but she doesn't believe in the order anymore and she's not going to stay for Anakin here. She, she clearly does believe in the order. She wants to be a Jedi and she wants to become the best Jedi. And she understands that that's possible through Anakin by being his Padawan, yeah. by training in his somewhat sketchy way. <laughs> um, yeah. She can become a better Jedi than her peers. Um, so I just, I really like the, that musical mirroring here that this is, this is Ahsoka saying yes initially, mm-hmm. um, and, and I think in an, in a really beautiful way that then makes that other moment of her leaving even more heartbreaking, uh, specifically from Anakin's point of view. Almost like yeah. you, you've been here before, you've been you know you've been kicked around before, and you always got back up and and went forward. Um, but the difference now is the institution that she believed in, that she believed she belonged to, she no longer does believe in later on. Um, Right. So, yeah, I like that. The, I like that those are kind of set up as a as a mirror. Um, yeah, no, that's a great point because it, it and it's very deliberate. You know, obviously Dave Filoni has, you know, thought long and hard about this episode in particular. Um, and the the mirrors and the rhyming beats to to her leaving the order uh, are very very well done um and it does it does make things even more heartbreaking for Anakin and I would say for Ahsoka mm. because it wouldn't surprise me if they're both looking back maybe in some regards to this this moment here you know because this is almost the moment where Ahsoka starts to trust the process with Anakin. Like she, she really fully buys into the way he does things. Um, because they, they, they did bicker a bit, especially in the early episodes, you know, about, are you sure this is the Jedi way, that sort of thing. And then, you know, pretty, pretty quickly, you know, into the series, she was doing things as crazy and reckless as he was. So uh, this is this is probably the moment where she buys into the way Anakin does stuff, and 
and really kind of uh, moves forward as a Jedi in that light. And then obviously we get to that season five episode where she leaves and walks away and says goodbye to all of it. Um, and, and it's, it's a heartbreaking thing. Yeah. So. Um, uh, yeah. Well, and then, you know, like you were saying though, we, we kind of do fast forward then to a later you know, a later moment in the Clone Wars itself. And she's still practicing this technique. She's still practicing with this, with, you know, this contingent of 501st troopers becoming an even better Jedi. And then it all comes to this conclusion at the end, which is, of course, uh, kind of a a revisiting of the episode Siege of Mandalore and uh, seeing Ahsoka walk out with Rex, you know, let's see if that training paid off, he says. Um, And, Right, it it all comes down to the fact that uh, Ahsoka's time in the Jedi Order, even if the Jedi did her dirty, Anakin didn't. Anakin right. genuinely cared for her, even if it, to a certain degree, it came out of his his own lack. Um, he taught her how to survive, and yeah. and that and that saw her through the the you know the destruction of the Republic and the destruction of the Jedi. Yeah. Uh, it kept her safe through all of that. And without him doing this teaching, this without this lesson, without this continued training uh, in their downtimes, she would not have gotten out. She would have, you know, number one, uh, you know, probably wouldn't have been able to escape the clones in, you know, the Jedi who knew too much episodes and then uh, wouldn't have survived escaping the cruiser uh, in, in the last siege of Mandalore episode, you know, this is what kept her safe. This is what helped her survive. And she has Anakin to thank for all of that. You know, it, it's, we, in the first episode, we saw where she's from. We saw the respect for, for nature, the sanctity of life. Uh, in in this middle episode, we see her skills get developed and her training be advanced to where she's highly skilled, highly efficient as a fighter. And then we move into the third episode, which gets us to the point where it all balances back out together. Mm, yeah. Well, let's go into that last episode, Jason. Um, yeah. the episode resolve. Um, yeah, this is, uh, <laughs> this is a, that's, a, I, I love the way you've pinned them together, Jason. I don't think I saw that connection until you just said it. Uh, I, it, it came to me as we were talking about it. Oh, so good. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> love when that happens. Um, but yeah, you know, it's because of this kind of inherent, respect for life that she she learned even in the womb to a degree mm-hmm. and then she learned these skills uh that she can't help but have a reverence for life and fight to protect it and she has the skills to fight to protect it thanks to her time in the clone wars training under anakin um yeah. so that's a that's a great point that this this resolve to stay in the fight um comes from kind of this this the the both end of these two previous episodes that 
she's she was raised to to believe in the sanctity of life and was given the skills to to protect it. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what a great what a great connection, Jason. Um, yeah. I I will say this this episode is essentially sort of a a general uh, retelling of the uh, the basic story of E.K. Johnston's Ahsoka novel. You know, the the main points are kind of the same. You know, obviously a lot of the details are different, but this kind of hits all the, the basics and the highlights from that. Um, but it does kind of start in a place that the, the book didn't. Yeah, yeah. Ahsoka um, at Padme's funeral. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So before before we jump into that, like that nitty gritty, I do want to note that the ways in which it veers from the novel is problematic. I think it's important to note that um, the fact that Dave Filoni is allowed to play very fast and loose with canon, which sometimes I find really frustrating. I mean, I know there are a lot of people out there that think Filoni can do no wrong. <laughs> I think that's not true of anybody in life. All of us can do wrong. <laughs> and I think Filoni a few times now has just ignored canon stories. He did it with, with, uh, with Kanan in Bad Batch. The, the new origin story Kanan gets is different from the canon comic. Um, again, it's not, it's not markedly different. I, I don't care. Um, but he's doing the same thing here is he retells events from the Ahsoka novel by E.K. Johnston, which is a wonderful novel. I think it's one of the best new canon books, in my opinion. Um, and he takes two important characters um, and changes them in such a way that is problematic to many Star Wars fans. Um, and, and I think that's worth noting. I don't think Filoni did it from a place of maliciousness or uh, ill will towards a particular community in star Wars. However, it does show his, uh, his subconscious biases and blind spots. And the fact that the story group didn't call him on it, I think is also problematic. Like where the hell's the story group on this stuff? Uh, um, so I just want to note that because like, at least for me as a star Wars fan, like I hear the voices of the, the people in the community that were upset by this. And I think they have every right to be upset with it. And I think Filoni, he effed up, like he made a mistake. Uh, I don't I don't hate him for it, um, but I do f- kind of question where the story group comes into all this because it's like uh, this story has been told. Why is this not consistent? <laughs> um, so, you know, the the beats and this, the spirit of it is the same. It's the same type of story, but he he erases important details. And I think that's that's harmful. And Filoni should know better. Um, so I just want to go on record saying that that's how I feel for sure. Um, but that said, I think the start of the episode is something new and something really, really wonderful. Um, putting Ahsoka at Padme's funeral, never saw that coming. Can, before we get into that, yeah. I just want to say, I uh, the, the storytelling between the, the novel here, the novel and the, the tales of the Jedi short here, um, the the way, especially the Ahsoka um, episodes were handled in Tales of the Jedi, to me seemed to be almost you know told as legend as myth, 
And so it could be someone's, you know, someone's interpretation of it, someone's story of events that happened. You know, I, I personally don't see it as necessarily uh, rewriting hmm. the story. I just see it as um, these are the important moments for Ahsoka uh, and the important emotional and uh, moral beats in her story, in her advancement through this journey. Um, all the other details still happen. Is, is the way I'm interpreting this. Mm. So, um, you know, all the other details from the novel still happened. Uh, this is just sort of the emotional uh, and moral lens focused in on Ahsoka in particular for this. Because they keep everything very generic, very kind of vague um, to the, you know, to the point where the credits don't even give names to the brother and sister. Right. In this. So, and we don't even get a uh, planet name. It's not even right. on like Wikipedia. Cause I looked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think, I think he's deliberately keeping that kind of, uh, vague so as to allow room for the novel, um, is, is the way I'm interpreting yeah. the, the, layering of these two stories for sure if you will yeah so. and, and i think that th these two things kind of can exist in tension jason right to your, i i yeah. like i really like your point about how you know um and um uh alden diaz who's uh the host of acto radio on twitter alden diaz is just brilliant in my opinion um and he made a great point about how right like kind of talking about canon and how you know when we talk about star wars canon ultimately star wars is a myth right and mm -hmm. to your point, Jason, right, like myths can have different interpretations, can have different retellings. So yeah. keeping this story relatively vague allows for that breathing room that both uh, both of these stories could even coexist, you know, whether yeah. they're the exact same story or not, like they can exist in the same mythological universe that the, that the, the spirit and the, the, the moral story of both of these stories is the same. They are right. They are congruent. Um, my, my critique kind of comes from outside of the mythos outside of the star Wars universe. So like again, from kind of our own times, like that the fans that were hurt by this, um, I think deserve to be heard. And I think it, it's more a critique of just this supposed story group that is, is, is so apparently committed to consistent Canon. It just seems like they dropped the ball here. And I, and I think that neat, that deserves to be called out. Um, so I think that these, this tension can exist that I don't think, you know, that this story was being told as a, as an erasure of the novel. Um, no. uh, and to your point, like, I do think it's just, it's, it's a, a, maybe a retelling of the same myth, but at the same time, when the original story included, uh, you know, queer color, que queer characters of color, that really meant a lot to certain star Wars fans to then not see that represented in this retelling being hurt by that makes sense. So, um, that lack of sensitivity there, I think, is is problematic. The story in and of itself, I think, is is consistent. Um, so that that's where I think the tension lies, and 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 that's okay. That tension can exist. Um, you yeah. know, um, but yeah, I I definitely agree, Jason. That that this is a 
this is a retelling, um, not a retelling. It's just it's a telling of the same type of story. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a different focus, you know, for sure. The the focus is Ahsoka, you know, the everyone else doesn't get a name, you know, not even the Inquisitor is really delved into that much at all. Uh, the planet doesn't get a name. The only other named character in this is Bail Organa, you know. Um, you know, it, it's it is incredibly magnified on Ahsoka and her emotion, emotional and moral journey. So it, it's a focus piece, yeah. not a not a retelling. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. So, um, but let's get into this. So let's, yeah. let's let's get into the beginning yeah. where where she shows up at Padme's funeral, which mm-hmm. was so so good um i really appreciated that and my favorite part of all of that is when bail organa finds her and corners her uh says hey you you shouldn't be here why are you here you couldn't have done anything for them and ahsoka is just devastated and she takes off her hood and says she was my friend Mm. like that was that was the most heartbreaking moment of this entire episode Yeah. yeah and I Ugh, I just it's so beautiful. It was so perfectly acted by Ashley Eckstein. Yeah, and perfectly animated by the animators, right? Um, yeah, uh, I, She's, I you know holding uh, back tears. Yeah. You know it's it's oh, it's so good. And I, I'll I'll even rewind like the, the thing that first struck me was uh, when we see Bale in the crowd, and then he looks across and sees Ahsoka. The musical notes, there's like these quick notes on what sounds like a harp to me. I could be wrong. I, again, I'm, my music knowledge is very amateur. <laughs> um, but there, there's these beautiful quick little notes on what sounds to me like a harp. And it reminded me of like one of my favorite little musical moments in Phantom Menace is when uh, Anakin hands Qui-Gon the, the little things from the fruit stand. And Qui-Gon moves his robe to put him in his pocket and Anakin sees the lightsaber mm-hmm. and the, yeah. there's like a couple chime notes, right? Like there's something magical there. And it, it's kind of a similar musical notation there that Kevin kind of recognition. Us. Yeah. It's this, it's just kind of this like magicalness of like, wait, is that who I think it is? And then she's gone, right? Like she slips off. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think so worth noting when, when Bale's like, what, what are you thinking? Like, this is a very dangerous place to be. And the heartbreak is she says she was my friend. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's this really sad recognition that even though Ahsoka was no longer a Jedi, she had left that order. The people that were most dear to her from her former life are all gone now. Cause again, everybody assumes Anakin is dead too, right? Nobody, nobody knows that he's Darth Vader except Palpatine. Um, Right. And, you know, for Ahsoka, everybody's gone now. And mm-hmm. not only does she have to be on the run, but even the people she cared most about, even if she hadn't seen them for a moment or two, they're gone. It's this this moment of just absolute loss. And like you said, it's just so beautifully acted and, and illustrated. Yeah, it it's really, really great. Um, of course, you know, Bale is is working to try and, you know, get her out of there unseen to avoid the clone patrols. And he gives her a comm link to contact him in case she wants help or wants to get involved again, you know, and she, she takes it, but 
she's pretty adamant that that's not necessary and it's not really going to happen. Yeah. Uh, And in that moment, Bale is kind of this little this this little episode. What I like about it is it's it's also a uh, a, kind of a zoomed in hero's journey all in one 12 minute episode because Bale is the one who gives her the call to adventure like, all right, well, you know, we've still got to do we've got a duty to do now. We've got to try to to right these wrongs. You know, here's this communicator. Call me. Let's stay in touch. Let's let's go after this together. And she hands it back to him. Nah. I'm done. I'm done fighting, right, is the language she uses, is I'm done fighting. Um, and, uh, you know, and then the clones show up, spoil the party. But right. the her intentionality is to leave. She's going to run away from that from that call to adventure. I mean, this is this is classic throughout mythological storytelling. I mean, that's obviously what Luke does in A New Hope. It's what Moses does in the book of Exodus. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, whenever heroes are initially called, they often say no. Um, Ahsoka's right. done and uh, frankly I get it like I get wanting yeah. to be done right like you've lost everything uh, you had to walk away from the thing that even fell apart she's done um, yeah. but of course Bale like oh my gosh that that Senator Organa Jason I'll tell you he he <laughs> just doesn't give up which you got to give him no. props for you know so even as even as he's like being escorted away by the clones he's still shouting up to her like words of encouragement like we still must do what's right of course <laughs> yeah know? yeah we must do what we all have a duty you know yeah. and if you ever need anything just reach out yeah. and, you know, the, the, the clones kind of like look at each other like well, okay dude what like what, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna reach out to the senator for something okay cool whatever um but you know obviously that message is not intended for them um, <laughs> right so, uh, but then of course we um, cut forward several years when she's on this unnamed agricultural planet farming. Yeah. You know. Oh, Jason, real quick, before we go to the, the farming story, that last shot of her, um, you know, uh, going with Rex in the early version Y wing, mm-hmm. We also see, you know, right, like this is who she she's with Rex when she kind of drops her saber, you know, gets uh, chooses to walk away. Do you think and again, this we don't have a hard answer to this, but I'm just curious where you land on this. Do you think this particular moment is this happening before she abandons her lightsaber or after? So basically, is this after the final shot from Siege of Mandalore or is this before it? What do you think? I would think it's after. I would okay. think they probably uh, buried the saber or left the sabers behind, you know, flew away from that ice world and then found out that Padme was dead and she wanted to go to the funeral. You know, mm. uh, checked the holonet and found out that Senator Amidala had died and she was insistent about going to to the the funeral um uh that would be my that's my reading on it at least yeah so yeah i I, that's my initial that was my initial reading as well and then after watching it the other day i was like well maybe not because i feel like all that stuff with order 66 happens pretty quickly and then boom revenge of the sith resolves and padme's dead 
So maybe she goes to the funeral and then afterwards goes with Rex to bury the saber. Uh, you know, I don't think it matters either way. I think both her dropping the saber on the ice world, whether it's before this or after this, they both, they both illustrate she's, she is done with the fight. Um, correct. But you know, just listen, as I'm thinking more about it and listening to you, I do think maybe that did happen first, that this, this is afterwards. She does go to Naboo after she goes to be there at the funeral. Um, cause you have to imagine like, even though Padme's dead, um, wow, that was harsh. <laughs> even though Padme had died, <laughs> you know, a big state funeral like that probably took a day or two at least to plan. Um, yeah. so it would make sense that Ahsoka did go with Rex. She left that saber behind. She's, she's done with this war. She's walking away. So then to bump into Bale and Bale be like, no, 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 like stay and fight. She's like, no, listen, I've, I'm already done. I've already given up. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. She's, I've already, you know, her, her, her mind is saying, I already left my sabers behind. I, I don't have the weapons, you know, and it's, you know, and as a Jedi, you know, this weapon is your life. Uh, and she's she's done with the fight. She's going to try and start over. She's going to try and blend in. She's going to try and disappear. Mm. Uh, and she does successfully for many years. Yeah. Until farming. Until. <laughs> yes. The farming. The 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 kids get too well, the, the brother gets too over cocky, piling the bales of hay up on the, the sledge. And it malfunctions the repulsor lift, and they all come tumbling down on his sister. Except they don't, because Ahsoka protects her with the Force. Yes, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I, I I love that Ahsoka is also going by the name Ashla, uh, which again, yes. that's something from the novel as well. She that's the name she uses in the novel. Um, I mean, eventually she does share her real name with with the village folks. Um, but she's going by Ashla, which of course is the name for the light side of the force from early, early drafts of star Wars from George Lucas himself. Um, yep. so yeah, but as Ahsoka's hiding away using an alias and when these bales of hay come crashing down, she protects this, this young girl and, uh, this whole episode resolve, you know, it was ringing through my head, Jason, even the first time I watched it is. The words from the Grand Inquisitor from Kenobi, uh, you know, a Jedi, it's like an itch. They can't stop themselves mm-hmm. from, yeah. I, I, I don't remember the quote verbatim, but right, like that a Jedi can't stop yeah. themselves from doing good. They can't stop themselves from, from protecting people and helping people. Um, it's it's like an itch. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, this episode establishes that. And even, even though Ahsoka has formally left the order itself, she's a Jedi, you know, at her core, she is a Jedi and that, oh, that habits die hard. <laughs> right. Well, and, and to connect to like what you were saying earlier, Jason, to connect this even to that first episode of, you know, the life and death episode, Ahsoka has such an innate respect for life and protecting life in all its ways. She also has this unique ability that allows her to offer an extra gear of protection, if you will. Um, right. So she can't help but protect this, this young girl. And, and I love later that when they're, you know, kind of sharing a meal together and, you know, the older guys, you know, grumpy about the empire and, and their, their, their ridiculous quota that they want them to keep. And then her, you know, of course her brother's like, well, you know, the empire's here to keep us safe. (laughs) Right, right. 
but her he's sister pro empire. He's very pro empire, and uh, and it, but I like how her sister's like, well, we are safe, but not because of the empire. Wink, wink at Ashla. <laughs> you know, oh, right? right, exactly. Like, it, and and I like that little story beat because I think she's flirting with Ahsoka too. By the way, ooh, I didn't, I did not think that. I, I, I think she's flirting with Ahsoka. I think she, especially after Ahsoka saved her life, she's like, ooh. You know, I, I think she's flirting a little bit. <laughs> oh, I like that. Uh, I, it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, also, why else would she want Ashla to go with her to take all the bales to market, too? That's you right. Know? Yeah. Um, and I I also think um, it's also uh, this recognition, though, that, you know, clearly, clearly this young girl knows something about Jedi. And yes. she... It implies that she believes what can keep them safe, what can actually still protect them is the Jedi. So contrary to probably a lot of the galaxy who think the Jedi were useless and and right, we we get that story in the, the Martell sister arc of of Clone Wars, right, where the yeah. Martell sisters kind of reflect to Ahsoka like what have the Jedi ever done for us? They just show up with their war and destroy the world or the world around us. Well, here on this outline system, it's clearly this people who kind of seem to have some level of reverence for the Jedi that, that understand that they are peacekeepers, that they are doing their best for the galaxy. And this, this young girl sees Ahsoka and is like, yeah, master Jedi. I see this. Like I see that, uh, what the galaxy actually needs isn't an empire, but, uh, a force of, of peacekeepers like the Jedi. Right. So right. I like that because in a way that also shows that kind of provides this beautiful reflection back to Ahsoka that, the Jedi are still needed, even if the order doesn't exist, which, by the way, you were you had left anyway. People still right. people still need you. People still need your skills and your gifts and your reverence for life. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the obvious thing is that since her brother is so pro empire, the Jedi are not to be trusted. The Jedi, there's a reward out for Jedi, you know, mm-hmm. and because his sister is being silly and uh, saying things that she probably doesn't normally say, he catches on to what's going on, and he figures out that his sister thinks Ahsoka's a Jedi, and he has no reason to doubt that. So uh, as they leave with the bales of hay, he says, may the Force be with you as almost a taunt. Mm. Uh just to kind of see if it lands. Uh, and then, of course, we find out he he turns her in. What a punk. What a punk. <laughs> just trying to just trying to make a better, you know, get some recognition and maybe a little extra chunk of change in, in the bank uh, off of Ahsoka. Um, got to got to protect. The the Empire and their order, I suppose, Um I don't know. He's never had any personal dealings with the Empire. You can obviously tell. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, they they go to sell their crop. Uh, they come back, and the whole village is in ruins. It's on fire, and villagers are dead. Uh, and it's is bad. Carl is real bad. yes you said it and the this inquisitor that shows up 
using classic Vader tactics here by just hurting innocent people to draw out a Jedi, right? This is uh-huh. like Vader torturing my good friend Han Solo on Cloud City yeah. just to draw out, draw out Luke. Um, yep. The Inquisitor burns all this down. It, it draws out, um, draws out Ahsoka. And I really like the design of this Inquisitor. Now, again, yeah. we don't have a specific, like, which brother he is or whatever. None of that's revealed. Um, but I love just, I love the design of it. This kind of, like, raven face, like this raven mask. Yeah. Like, it, there's something very predatory about him. And as he, you know, the voice way he's... by Clancy Brown, by the way. Oh, know. the voice of Savage. Yeah. Um, as and also plays in live action the uh, the big burly guy in uh, the the episode of Mandalorian the Deveronian. I don't remember the yep. character's name. Um, Blanking on it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it does a great job with that. And just the way he's like dragging the saber through the sand, right? There's something very uh, menacing yeah. about him. And yeah. when he recognizes Ahsoka, and he's like, you know, it was believed you were dead. Ahsoka Tano and I love the way they shoot that 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 following shot then when he says her name we see her fist clenched right like she's angry she's pissed she's ready to defend and then when he says her name she opens her hand Um, right they zoom in on her on her hand language and she opens Mm -hmm. her hand which to me just kind of indicates this sense of freedom of just accepting who she really is, accepting her true name, the one she has forgotten. It's the name of your true self. You've only forgotten, um, right? <laughs> um, she's right. been she's been living under this disguise as the person of Ashla, but she actually is a Sokotano, Jedi Knight, right? And mm-hmm. I just, it, it, right, we're Star Wars fans with a podcast, Jason. Of course, we read into lots of little things. <laughs> um, Absolutely. But just that simple gesture of her clenched fist to the open hand to me, is it's it's this acceptance, this acceptance of who she is and what she as Ahsoka is called to do. And she just stands there, her, stands her ground open and, and free to be herself and just invites the Inquisitor, fine, come on in. And dispatches him like that it's classic samurai i mean it's it's exactly what obi-wan does to maul in twin sons in rebels right it's not a long prolonged fight it's she's the master here this inquisitor is just uh uh, a punk a punk with a saber yes he's just a bully with a lightsaber but she's a master you know she avoids two swings grabs it and ends him like that like it's classic samurai movie right there um yeah and it's it's just to me it's perfect and, you know, it's it's very similar to, you know, how she just – I haven't read the exact fight of when she dispatches the Inquisitor with his own saber in the book. But that's the essence of it is that she's able to disarm him and kill the Inquisitor in the book as well with mm-hmm. his own weapon. Yep. Um, so this is, you know, this is definitely in line with all of that. Uh, but it's just over and done with so quickly mm-hmm. and uh, – the you know she then has to find a way to to save the survivors you know yep. because there's now a dead inquisitor there will be an investigation um there will be more coming and that's when she remembers the comlink from Bail Organa yeah and she reaches back out to the senator and he arrives personally in his own ship to take the refugees away to somewhere where they will be safe. And he says, are you sure you're not ready to come back? 
are you ready to get back in the fight? And uh, she says, yes. She's ready to get back in the fight. And uh, we then have the beginning of Fulcrum, uh, mm-hmm. who, of course, we we get to know very well in Star Wars Rebels. Um, <laughs> Jason, can I confess, though, that so just like I was like slightly sad that we didn't get to see Plo Koon show up in the first episode to take her off to the temple. I was a little bummed because again, we, we saw enough clips in the trailer to indicate that we were going to get some version of the, the EK Johnston novel in, in mm-hmm. the, these episodes. I wanted to see her purify the Kyber crystals, right? So I, and, yes. Again, sorry, everybody. Spoiler alert. If you've not read the Ahsoka novel, my bad. Um, but after she, uh, after she dispatches the inquisitor there again, in kind of like hand to hand, she we learn how she makes the white lightsabers, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, we, we you know we've learned now that a Sith gets their their red blade by bleeding a Kyber crystal. Well, Ahsoka purifies the Kyber, which turns it white. Um, so I was kind of hoping to get to see that. And again, I understand why we didn't because you know to what you to your point earlier, like that story's been told. Like there there was that breathing room that 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 can exist in the novel. I just kind of wanted to see it visually. I thought that would have been really cool to just visually see. Right, right. I I did too. Um, I also wanted to see R2 there because there was a great scene in the book uh, between Ahsoka and R2 at one point. Um, I just wanted to see him present, but that didn't happen either. But I did want to see her purify the kyber crystals. The, the thing is, um, I think why they didn't is the story that they're trying to tell in this um, didn't require that. Obviously, you know, the 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 journey that they're conveying, the the solidifying of who Ahsoka is right now doesn't require a weapon. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, she is someone who values life enough to fight to protect it. Yeah. And... And that's the story here. That's 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 what these episodes are teaching us about Ahsoka. Um, and you don't need to see her purifying a lightsaber to to get that. Um, so I understand just from the the focus of this why we didn't get it. But like you, it would have just been it would have done my geeky heart so much good. To just be able to see that happen somewhere <laughs> visually, it would have been just delightful to see uh, a crystal, a kyber crystal being purified. Yeah, um, I think that would be it. But it just means that we're going to have to see it somewhere else uh, at a later point. So, yeah, I hope so. That's a big enough deal that it's going to have to be shown on screen somewhere, I would think. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and right, and the episode ends with uh, Bale kind of re-asking the same question he asked her at the start of the episode, which is, you know, are you ready to rejoin the fight? And, you know, she doesn't say anything. She doesn't have to. The music and her face say say it all. You know, yeah, she's back. She and like gives you just said, a slight nod, and then that's the end. Yep, exactly, exactly. Um. So, yeah, you know, again, like, I feel like, just having this conversation with you, Jason, I, I, I am seeing now the, the way in which all three of these episodes are deeply connected in a way yeah. that I didn't notice at first. Um, 
again, I think the Dooku episodes are more clearly connected. Um, mm-hmm. And and maybe that's just easier to see too because we have all three in a row as opposed to like we get one Ahsoka episode and then two. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, this really does highlight that just just some truths about her character again that she mm-hmm. there's something special about her she's been trained to really protect herself and protect others and she has the resolve to do it now um that's that's really yeah. that's really her tales of the jedi here and and the, these little vignettes yeah absolutely the the titles are are chosen very carefully you know in you know in the episodes themselves and even you know to some extent in the uh the soundtrack yeah um i found that something that caught my attention this over the weekend when i was kind of preparing for this it was like yeah no that they're they're very precisely chosen um and and the story that we get is is the story of how how Ahsoka comes to the realization of who she is uh, outside of the Jedi and Anakin's influence. You know, this is, this is how she fully comes into her own as a person um, without, you know, being a part of the Jedi order without being Anakin's Padawan it definitely shows how all of that shaped her, but it is now to this point where she is her own individual and she's making these choices now. Yep. Um, and, and I think that's, that's the, the message and the insight that we are to take from these stories. Yeah. I love it. I love oh. it. It was really good. They, these stories were subtle. The, the Ahsoka uh, episodes were a lot more subtle, but also very deep mm-hmm. um, in, in, a, in a sense. Uh, whereas the Dooku stories were, were much more plot heavy, but also delved into the, 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 the tragedy of his own fall from grace. Um, so it's, it's more, like you said, it's more easy to see the connections and the progressive story between his three episodes of tales of the Jedi, uh, than it is Ahsoka's. But once you see the connections, um, I think it's hard to miss them again. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. Um, yeah. So there, there you go. Y'all the, the last two weeks is it's been awesome getting to talk about these six episodes of, of tales of the Jedi. Um, Loved this series. I really hope yes. we get a second season of it in in the near future, because um, I just I just loved the heck out of it. Absolutely, same here. It, it's it's fantastic, and honestly, one of the ideas that I had is if we did get more of this, and maybe if we focused on a character like Obi Wan Kenobi, maybe that's where we get to see his mission with Duchess Satine as a Padawan. Yes. Something so, I've been wanting to see since we first heard about it. <laughs> I know we're gonna get it. We're I know we're gonna get it somewhere, somewhere, somehow. We have to because it's an important enough story point to him now. Thanks, Clone Wars. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so 
Uh, it's just a matter of when and how. Uh, but it will happen. I, I don't doubt that. So, mm-hmm. um, well, I am really excited, Jason, because next week we're going to be back with uh, a good friend of the show. Our, our dearly beloved Mr. Joe Hogan um, is going to join Woo-hoo. us for a conversation around the Gendy Tarakovsky Clone Wars series. Um, we've never talked about this on the show, and you and I watched a bunch of this while we were hanging out you know, at your place just a couple weeks back. We had it on in the background yeah. several times. I've now watched it three times since coming back home. Um, <laughs> literally watched it with Joe and, and our buddy Jazz uh, the other night. We were hanging out on Discord and we had it on in the background. Um, so very excited to have Joe because it's one of his favorite th- one of his favorite things in all of Star Wars is the is the Tarakovsky series of Clone Wars. So we're going to have him on next week to talk all about that. Just why we love it, why, why it still holds up all those all those wonderful things. Awesome. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. It's a it's a really fun mini series. Uh and if you haven't seen it, it's on Disney Plus. Uh you just got to look under this the vintage category in the Star Wars section. Um it's it's funny that it's there considering it's not as old as some of the other it's the the newest of anything in that <laughs> yeah. category, right? Right. But uh, <laughs> by like fifteen years, yeah. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh, that's so good. Um, but yeah, so um, you know, but like like we always say, if there was anything from the Ahsoka Tales of the Jedi episodes that stood out to you that we may have missed, we always love to to hear those insights as well. Absolutely, and. Uh, Carl, if people want to weigh in on uh, these Ahsoka episodes or just Tales of the Jedi in particular, maybe who people would like to see Mm. if we get another season of this, uh, where can people reach out to us? Uh, Well, we are on Instagram at The Wampas Lair, and you can also follow us on Twitter at Wampas Lair. You can always email us at wampaslairpodcast at gmail.com. Excellent. Anything else before we close out this episode? No, that that was a good one. It was a very good one. Well, thank you everyone so much for listening to this episode of the Wampus Lair podcast. This has been episode number 491, Tales of the Jedi, Ahsoka. For Carl, I'm Jason, and we'll see you next time here in the Wampus Lair. <laughs>